Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time to go inside the film room with veteran scout and coach Chris Landry and Scott Seidenberg breaking down college football from a different angle. It's the College Football Film Room Podcast. Come on inside the College Football Film Room alongside veteran scout, coach, and consultant Chris Landry from LandryFootball.com. I'm Scott Seidenberg reminding you to subscribe, rate, and review the College Football Film Room wherever you get your podcasts from. Now, Chris, the biggest story is the coronavirus. And in college football, there is a growing concern that the season could be delayed. Several teams are having players come down with COVID-19, and whether they're asymptomatic or not, that's a discussion for a different day, but there is the growing concern that the season could be pushed back. What are you hearing right now from the discussions going on with the conferences? Well, everybody's still on path to start on schedule and that's what everybody's planning that's what they're thinking but it is a very fluid situation we don't know and i think it'll probably in a couple of weeks we'll see whether we can say the same or whether that timeline is going to be pushed back due to further issues look we're looking everybody out there is aware of what's going on in florida and texas and if the numbers go up and if it's a bigger problem, how do we deal with it? I've said all along, Scott, that the the biggest thing is how we deal with it. I, I don't know. People ask me, like, I don't know. I'm a football guy. I, I don't understand the medical stuff. I understand what they tell me. It makes sense. Some of it does. Some of it doesn't. Some of it's contradictory information, right, from medical people. And, and I'm not into the politics of it because I know that's a big part of it as well. I, I think that there is going to be a concerted effort by everyone to play. There's no doubt of the importance financially. I think the kids want to play, uh, but you know, I, I don't think we know with hundred percent certainty. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of going with the attitude that I'm getting ready. I, I've got, you know, everything just prepared to, you know, in the evaluation process, getting everybody ready for the season and hope that we start on time. hope that we can make all our marks. But as I said, for weeks, it's going to look, feel, sound different than any other year. It's not going to be normal. And so for the people that are thinking that for some reason, because we've dealt with this for four months, that suddenly, hey, it's going to change and we're going to have a normal season. We're not. It's not going to be normal. Uh, let's just hope we have one. It's probably going to be Sands fans, but, you know, let's hope we can have it on schedule. But a lot of different contingencies are being put in place. I can tell you, Scott, that the conversation about playing in the spring and I, I don't get me started. I, mm. I just hate that idea, but that is becoming a little bit more of a conversation piece the last couple of weeks, because I guess as we get closer, if we have to push it back, how far back do you push it? Do you play it through like the, the mm. early winter months through the spring? I mean, I think everybody's kind of looking at trying to figure this out. Well, hopefully you know, the science catches up and there might be some sort of uh, vaccine come the fall. And, and we're not going to speculate, but that's what we're hoping for. There is this idea, and you and I have actually talked about this in the past. So I'm going to give you credit where credit is due. It started getting traction today because former NFL quarterback, radio host in New York, Boomer Esiason, suggested on his radio show this morning that some college football programs – He's not accusing anybody of doing this, but saying that some programs 
would rather their players be exposed to COVID-19 now so that they do not get it during the football season. That's something that you and I have kind of toyed around with that idea. We flirted with it, saying that maybe they're okay. Clemson's okay with 20-somewhat players coming down with COVID-19 now because that means that they'll build up some sort of herd immunity and they'll be okay during the season. Do you think there's any credence to that? Well, first of all, I have mentioned it because it's been mentioned a lot. A number of people have mentioned it and a number of people in the medical profession have mentioned. But here's the thing. The epidemiologists have said that we don't know that because you've had it, that you're going to be immune. We, they, the words are, we think you're probably good for a month, but we don't know. What everybody, what I'm learning is from the experts is that we don't know. The experts say we don't know. It's a novel virus. So the testing, you know, in the medical world, as you know, Scott, is takes years. This has like been around for, we think, one year, and it really started to pick up in December or January. They don't know. They don't know that it couldn't cause problems or couldn't cause long-term damage. Damage. We don't know because it hadn't been long-term for anybody yet. Mm-hmm. So I don't think anybody in the medical profession is comfortable with this. And, and I, I, I heard about boomers. I, I thought that was so irresponsible because he made it sound like that they were trying like to do doing that. it on purpose. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that is, <laughs> I'm going to tell you something that, that I've said that I, I don't, I think that's really irresponsible. Uh, Cause I don't know anybody would do. First of all, if you think that they would be trying to do that for a football advantage, don't you think they would be called out in this current environment mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, in a way mm-hmm. that would just, that would be the ruination of a career. Yeah. So no, I don't think it is. And I've said it before. I've also said that if a coach gets caught covering up a positive test and playing players during the season, that would be devastating. I mean, I think you could survive a three and nine season when you were expected to go nine and three more mm-hmm. than you can survive the negative effects of look, we're trying to, put our kids in a position to get the virus so that we can get over it. No, no, no. I, I don't, I don't believe they're doing that. And I, no one, even if a, a coach said that there's no one at a university would go with it. The medical people, you realize the lawsuit. I mean, it would oh, be, yeah. you know, it would, there is to me, that is totally irresponsible that, that it would be a possibility because the, the, the damage legally would just be, astronomical i just think right now what's happening is everybody's doing their own thing working out in groups of five in groups of 10 groups of 20 some are having success some are not i I don't know about the testing meaning i don't know who's who's really got the good testing or how Mm -hmm. i don't Mm -hmm. know how that stuff's working out we got more positive tests we've got some quarantine situations i still don't know i mean what it all means in terms of what does it mean for them after 14 days are they immune from it then, or can they still, I I, I don't know that because if the the, the epidemiologists don't know and dumb football guys, sure as hell doesn't know. Well, we've (laughs) joked about it before, but it's the concussion protocol is going to be the Corona protocol. Now 
kids are going to test huh. positive and they're going to have to get Worse. put into the, the protocol there and, and they could be out for 10 to 14 days. I want to stick in the ACC. We mentioned Clemson and obviously their players that uh, have tested positive, but let's get back to the football side of things because big recruiting news in the ACC as Tony Grimes, a very talented cornerback, Chris, has committed to North Carolina. Now, this gives Mac just two stud prospects because he got Keyshawn Silver as a five-star defensive end. And, and I've talked to you about it on this podcast before. I'm so bullish this year on North Carolina. I think they're going to have a really good season. And now the future just looks even brighter with these two top recruits. Well, recruiting and the staff that Max put together, it's been outstanding. There's no question about it. And this is the Virginia Beach native, the Grimes kid. He's 6'1". He's 182. He's a really good-looking player. Uh, he's got to in increase his strength, no question about that. But he's got all the skills to be a really good corner at the next level uh, and even uh, potentially at one day have a good pro career. They've got 13 commitments. Uh, they've done a really good job recruiting across that corridor, but even in other areas going up against some some big-time programs. I know that Georgia and Ohio State and A&M were the, amongst the other schools that were really interested in them. So it's a big get for them. It's been a big haul for them. We'll see if they can, you know, finish it off. Here's what I would say about North Carolina is that they had a lot of young players, including that good-looking quarterback in Sam Howell, Sam that Howell. got a lot yeah. of snaps last year, mm -hmm. that it's a lot of experience. So now you have a lot of those guys in their second year. So I agree with you. The future's good. It's going to be interesting to see is how long Mac's going to do this and how he sets it up going for the future. But I agree with you. Talent level is good, and while nobody's standing up, in the ACC behind Clemson and saying, we're, we're, we're going to challenge. Um, I put something out uh, in my uh, preview at LandryFootball.com. I can remember when Mac was at North Carolina in the first go around, mm -hmm. it was Florida state and that's it. It dominant Florida state. And it was Mac that got North Carolina to where they were top five. And they, they had that couple of games that were really big and particularly a big one where it was two top five teams. They really couldn't penetrate Florida State. You start to get the feeling that maybe North Carolina and this go around with Mac that they may be the one that is they're long they're a long way away from them, but maybe they're the closest thing to being the second best program right now. They got a leg up on Florida State because obviously Mike yeah. Norvell is in his first year. I think ultimately they're going to be factor in, but. Why not, Mac? Why not North Carolina? Certainly in the near future, they're looking like they're building something special. Which coaches, and we can go around the country, not just in the ACC, because I think Mac Brown has an advantage over other coaches, maybe not Dabo, but other coaches in the conference in dealing with this crisis with the coronavirus and not having the ability to get your kids in on time and work with them. He's a veteran coach that has been through and seen probably everything you could see in terms of dealing with college football programs. Uh, what other coaches around the country are really going to have a leg up on everybody else when it comes to dealing with these unforeseen circumstances that is the coronavirus and limiting your practice time? I think there are a lot of them, but they would all fit into this category. Uh, ones where there's been stability on the staff to where you're not changing your offensive or defensive system. So That's you eliminate That's very that. Important. So you, you've, you've got, all right, they've been there before. So you mm -hmm. don't have a spring, uh, a team that maybe is bringing a lot of guys back that went to a bowl game. So you had bowl practices, which are kind of like another spring. So if you run in uh -huh. the same system, you at least had a, 
quasi spring in the bowl practice era, era uh, um, uh, time frame. I think that's got a real shot. Now, who does that really apply? Well, a lot of them. But the the flip side of that question is the ones I worry about the most are the ones that have a new coaching staff, new coordinators, uh, a lot of change in personnel. But the ones that have all of the above, I mean, think about it. I mean, if you've got a new head coach, maybe some of them have not. There are some coaches that are new head coaches that have not even seen their players in person because when this all started it, it you know the pandemic it, they've not been mm-hmm, able to see them mm-hmm. that's tough um no practices spring practices in some cases putting in new systems um the assistant coach i mean you know virtual teaching is one thing uh, it's not the same so those are the ones that are the biggest disadvantage and obviously the ones that are the flip side of the ones that are that's able to handle it. But if you got some veteran guys coming back and a a veteran staff, it gives you a leg up. Well, when you talk about virtual practices and and we've heard that being thrown out a lot when it comes to dealing with COVID-19, what are coaches doing? What are these virtual workouts? We know that there was some sort of, I don't want to call it a scandal, but Nick Saban did get a little slap on the wrist for trying to give his players Apple watches so that he could monitor how much they're working out. But what are these virtual workouts? What can be done? What kind of installs can be done with these kids remotely? Well, if there's a positive in the whole process is that it's unlike the old days. You know, we used to always had playbooks. In fact, I think I've got a couple of them in the, in the back. You can see in binders <laughs> and we still old school. We still print some of those. Uh, that players had to take those binders and study. Now it's more interact- interactive. They're all on iPads. So you can describe it. You can have movement. There's, it's interactive, which is great because most kids that grow up playing football play that Madden stuff. And, yep. and so they kind of get that anyway. So that's kind of taken a whole new, new realm. So it's, it's a little bit more teacher-friendly because it, it, we've learned that that's a visual that allows players to be more receptive to learning it, and they spend more time on it. But you can – based upon when they log in and log out, know how much time they spent too. Whereas when you take that book, they say, ah, I studied it. The only way you know is how well they regurgitate stuff to you. And they either, if they spent a lot of time on it, they, they weren't real good at it. Or you could tell they <laughs> they're BSing because they didn't spend time with this. You get a feel for it. But what you can do is you can show examples. You can show cutups. You can show film. You can show how it's executed. So when you describe a front, you describe a technique, you describe a pattern. You can, from an assignment standpoint, talk about where the landmarks are, describe it, see it drawn up virtually, but then see it in a video to where you can diagram it and show that. So it's mm-hmm. really good from a teaching standpoint. It's outstanding. Uh, but but you like to be able to take that also with the in-person stuff and then the walkthroughs and then the practices you know, that's where you, it's kind of like you've just taken that initial part. You know, you've taken the lab part out of it. Football is teaching. But like in any college environment or any teaching environment, the high school, college level, you have your lecture classes and you have your labs. And then you have some combinations where it's a lecture and you got to produce it in the lab. Football is that. It's about teaching in the classroom it's about being able repping it 
making mm-hmm. sure you understand it. If there's a problem with understanding individually or collectively, you got to maybe reteach it to figure out what are you not getting across. So then maybe you got three guys that are really good. The other three, you, you got to really spend more time. They're not getting it. Well, there's the problem sometimes. Sometimes you've got to walk them through. Some people are different learners. Teachers mm-hmm. know that. Coaches know that. But when you only have this as a learning mechanism and you can't combine the other things, it takes the lab part out of it, which limits you. And I think any teacher in any chemistry lab or whatever you would say, well, we can only teach so much. We need to be in a lab. In football, it's the same thing. We're missing the lab, and, and, and that has to be indoctrinated in at some point. So we really give a leg up to the teams that have a veteran presence coming back. You know, we can talk about all the hyped up freshmen that are coming in, but without the opportunity to get together with your team and with your coaches, the learning curve is that much greater. And you, you almost have to put them to the back burner because you're going to focus on your, your veteran guys. You look at Alabama. We talked about their quarterback situation before, and, and we expect Mac Jones to be the guy to begin with. And that could change throughout the season but especially given the circumstances that exist right now you have to feel like the guys that are returning the guys who have been in the program who have been in the system have a leg up over everybody else oh there's no doubt about that and you know think about when we what's happened in college football that's been drastically different over the past mm, eight ten years it is high school kids graduating early yes basically spending all spring at their college, enrolling early, enrolling like in, you know, January that, that normally would be in high school and now at the college. Well, I mean, it's great academically. I mean, you can still do your online classes, but then no off-season program. You know, again, all the stuff we just thought, you're missing that. So, I mean, it, it, it kind of defeats the purpose of why you want to get there early. And, and mm-hmm. so – all the more reason that it takes younger guys. I'm not saying young guys can't play because I think in some positions you can put them in and by necessity, some of those guys are going to have to play, but it's not going to be ideal. Look, people have asked me, well, what's it going to look like? Well, I can tell you from a trained eye looking at it, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be a lot more mistakes. It's going to be a lot more fundamental issues and misassignments and stuff from an entertainment standpoint. You know, we just talked about some may be better off than others, Mm -hmm. but if it's fun, it's exciting, it's competitive, they're going to say it's all equal. And to some degree it is, as long as it's exciting games, people are going to like it. But from a film breaking down standpoint where you're trying to correct errors, it's going to be a nightmare for coaches because, you know, you're just going to have to do a lot of the things that you couldn't do all year. And yet, Scott, we're still in a position, you know, we're hoping as college coaches, you're hoping you can spend mm-hmm. five or six weeks implementing some of the things you couldn't do in the spring. But is that going to start to be chopped away in two weeks when we're having this conversation here? Is that yeah. okay? Are we looking? Is it, is it worse? Because it's a day by day, last week to this week to next week. So we're, are we going to, and then do, you know, here's the other thing that I've been told. I, I've always felt, okay, we could push it back. Most people feel like, pushing the start of the season back two weeks is about as far as we can go. Mm. Administrators, you know, uh, could they change that philosophy? 
potentially, depending on how the next couple of weeks go, because we're now at that point. It's not March anymore. We can't look ahead and say, well, because we, we didn't know what the heck was going to happen, right? Now we're kind of like, what's going to happen in the next week? Can we get things done? We got July 4th weekend coming up. Is there going to be with certain places, beaches open up and we're going to have an outbreak and we're going to have issues? And is that going to be, is that going to scare people away? What about players? Scott, here's the other thing. What about players that say, I don't want to play? Um, you know, they're listening to this stuff. I'm, I'm concerned. I think most are going to want to play. You're going to have some of them that say, I'm just not sure. You know, mom, dad's not comfortable, whatever. You might, you're going to have to deal with some of that. So there are going to be a lot of things that are going to be interesting, but from a coaching standpoint, it's going to be quite challenging. And all you can do is control what you can, but you got to be prepared to teach and you got to be prepared to say, look, if we got this much time with them, this is what we're going to do. But if we lose that first week, because we move it back, then we're just going to have to, you know, go over the things that are the most important, right? The same thing you do with your day. Hey, look, this is yeah. the things I got to get done today. These are the things I'd like to get done today. But if I have to, I do tomorrow. It's no different in a teaching standpoint. You got to adjust your to-do list as a coach. So are we putting the, are we hitting the pause button on uh, Bryce Young in Alabama? We're yeah, I think we are. I think Bryce. we are at this point. I think that <laughs> it's Mac Jones at the beginning. And I think, I think Bryce will, there's a chance that he'll win it during the course of the season. But my view of it, it's a lot different, you know, because the, the lack of, look, I think they may have a package, put him in there, but you know, certainly, look, I mean, I, Mac doesn't have a lot of reps in the eye. No one does there. But, you know, I think it's going to be a bigger issue for him. But we'll see. That's a good point. Well, I want to talk about some of the other freshmen that we're going to be maybe we're missing because some of these guys came in very heavily touted and we were looking forward to seeing them in the fall. Uh, we go to the Big Ten and Julian Fleming is a wide receiver that you and I have talked about a bunch here on previous episodes now I don't know what Ohio State's gonna do I don't know how they're they're getting along right now during COVID but he was certainly a player that we were all looking forward to seeing have an immediate impact this fall well he's and I think he can I don't know about immediate impact consistently but I think they'll have a package for him mm -hmm. got some good receivers have got a lot of talent but He's a guy that I think there would have been a concerted effort and a real plan. As you mentioned, uh, how that's going to change, I think we can kind of put that on everybody and say don't know. But I still think there'll be a package and put him in. I think you'll see him in some of the return stuff as well. I think he's got extraordinary talent, got really good uh, ball skills, really good athlete, can high point the football. Uh, they're recruiting uh, Ohio State, by the way. I mean, uh, that's a guy coming in. My goodness, are they just – they're about close to wrapping up 2021, at least in terms of commitments. And wow. I don't anticipate the, – the only decommitments they're having right now, like Devontae Smith at Ohio State, we had it in the notebooks, the three-star kid. It's only because they're maybe kind of backing off on them themselves. They're just – Ryan Day is absolutely cleaning up right now, um, <laughs> recruiting and what they've got coming back. Um you know, Justin Fields certainly is a great college quarterback that maybe ascend to a different level. Well, it's going to be a lot of fun in Columbus this year if you're a Buckeye fan, I would think. Oh, yeah. I don't see any team beating them in the Big Ten. Um, you know, we could talk about Michigan and, and how they improved uh, going into this season, but 
to me, it's a it's much like the ACC, and maybe maybe it's a little more competitive. Obviously, I don't want to sell the rest of the conference short, Chris, but it's a one team conference. And, and if I'm penciling in my college football playoff for for next year, I'm already penciling in Ohio State and Clemson as two of my four teams. Yeah, I, I think only the coronaviruses can beat the, those two teams. I think that's it. I think those, I think, uh, you know, and again, we saw Clemson uh, last year uh, struggle with North Carolina, and we've seen not last year at Ohio State, but two previous years under Urban, uh, Purdue and an Iowa snafu. Uh, I'm not sensing, uh, I, I think the, the, the pedals to the metal, and I don't see anybody beating Ohio State or Clemson, as you said, this year. They're so talented, and even mm-hmm. with whatever they're going through, I think they'll be able to deal with it. The, the one variable we don't know is what if you end up in a situation. That's the other thing, Scott. A couple of things that, that just jump out at me, and I guess I go back to what if you have a situation where you've got not, – not five – what if you got 30 guys that test positive? In a, I mean, is the game suspended? Is it forfeited? Is it just eradicated from the schedule or we're sitting there evaluating a team in a nine game schedule versus a seven game schedule? How point. do we do that? How do we determine conference? Ch- I mean, everybody in the league's trying to figure that out. Here's the other thing too, from a coaching standpoint, this is what I think of. So you're getting ready. You got a game plan. So it's a big game, good game, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. ready to go. Your coordinator, offense or defense, test positive on Thursday. You better be prepared as a head coach who's calling the play. You better have a backup on your coaching staff who's going to call the plays. All week, you know, for people who don't know at practice, the coordinators calling the plays, the running scout team, they're basically simulating game situations, and he's the guy that's got it down. And on Thursday, you mm-hmm. test Thursday night, Friday morning, you know, he's not a go. Who's calling your place? How are you dealing with that? I'm going to tell you, this could create for some real wacky stuff. That's why I say if there's ever a year where we could go off the radar, you know, but, but I think only from a, a weekend week out situation, I still think we're going to see the elites do what they do, Mm -hmm. but on a given Saturday, we don't normally see that. It's normally huge news if, if there's a big upset. I think we might see more potential for a given upset here or there based upon unique circumstances dealing with the coronavirus. I hope it doesn't come to that, but it's yeah. kind of hard to think it won't, doesn't it? Uh, no, and it's one of the things that we're going to have to deal with the entire football season, not just in college football, but in pro football as well. And the pro football film room is coming up shortly right here on this Twitch stream. Chris, before we get out of here, what can fans find on LandryFootball.com in terms of the college football game? Well, you know, obviously each and every day at Landry Football, we've got our notebooks with all sorts of information. Anything that's going on right now, it's a lot of recruiting stuff. We throw in a lot of film room nuggets each and every day. You know, guys that based upon um, the, the film and the notes I have on guys from last year who may be breakout guys. So, Who's the defensive end that may stand up at Penn State uh, that was behind uh, Gross Matos last year? You know, things like that. How mm-hmm. we've got that figured out for it. Who may be a little bit of a surprise guy in Clemson secondary that you know, we, we got drop all those things. But we're really excited. We are just just cranking them out. Our film room 
uh, roster analysis for each program. So we've got all the SEC done. We're working our way through the ACC, just rolling one by one. What do you get there? You get about 5,000 words of breakdown of the team, of the program, where they have been, where they are, uh, who are the best players on both sides of the ball, offensively, defensively. How did the players on the roster currently grade coming out of high school? So how many of the five stars, four stars, and how those guys graded out? Who are the best pro prospects? at least that are on the list for the class of 2021 and 2022 draft. Um, mm-hmm. The coaching staff, everything, we've got it covered for you. So check it out at LandryFootball.com. And uh, for less than $5 a month, you can get uh, behind the, uh, the, the peek behind the curtain, uh, the film room analysis of all the college programs, the NFL as well, notebooks, draft boards, recruiting boards. We got it all for you. One-stop shopping football at Landry Football. Oh, absolutely. It is a no-brainer. So if you like this uh, show, be sure to follow our streams. Again, we got uh, two streams here going on, twitch.tv slash Football, twitch.tv slash air. This is the College Football Film Room Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts from. So subscribe, rate, and review to us uh, on your mobile device or on your computer. And be sure to follow us on social media at LandryFootball and at air. And we'll be back each and every week, Chris. This is what we do every week here, every Tuesday, and rebroadcast on Thursdays with the Film Room Podcast, the College Football Film Room, and uh, coming up shortly, the Pro Football Film Room. Talk to you in a minute. Man, look forward to it. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.